Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... Hey there, podcast listeners. Each year in September, I reach out to ask for support, and we are at that time of year once again. The Children's Book Podcast has survived and thrived over the past six years and 500-plus episodes, thanks in large part to listeners like you, who have helped to cover the cost of equipment, bandwidth, and file storage, and even the opportunity to travel and record on location at professional conferences. I feel grateful and privileged to have had the opportunity to speak with so many amazing and varied guests, from award winners to up-and-comers, and knowing that so many of you are out there listening and supporting is quite humbling. I've got lots of great episodes in store for the coming year, plus a couple of ideas that I think will help connect children with great stories and the people who make them. I look forward to sharing all of it with you. If you've been considering supporting the show, now is a great time. You can do so for as little as $1, knowing that every penny goes directly to sustaining the work I'm doing each week through this show. You can make a one-time donation by visiting paypal.me slash childrensbkpod or becoming a sustaining member through Patreon at patreon.com slash matthewcwinner. Both of these options are linked in the show notes, which you can view on your device right now. No matter how you support, thank you. Thank you for being part of the story and for helping so many new stories reach readers in wonderful and lasting ways. And yeah, it, it's, I think, some of the best interviews I've ever read are the ones that are the most informal events that make someone be able to actually uh, go out of the usual format of, of what interviews are uh, and, and make some sort of statement that's a personal statement that you want to read in any other interview, or in this case, here in a podcast. Do you remember the first time you heard jazz music? For me, it was Benny Goodman playing on Pat Pap's record player as he smoked his pipe. This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 536. I'm your host, Matthew Winner. Today I'm speaking with Keith Henry Brown, illustrator of Birth of the Cool, which is written by Kathleen Cornell Berman. I cut my teeth on Miles Davis while part-time managing a record store in high school and college. That job was an education, and that music has stayed with me all my life. Keith's depiction of Miles Davis is art that shouts music, an art that lives and breathes its subject matter. We follow Miles through childhood and into his formative years, through success to the threat of being forgotten to history and back out again on the stage of the Newport Jazz Festival. It's a story rich with means and desire and the reminder that we all have to face something in this life. Please welcome my guest, Keith Henry Brown, illustrator of Birth of the Cool. Uh, my name is uh, Keith Henry Brown. I am an illustrator. Uh, my first book is uh, Birth of the Cool, how jazz great Miles Davis made, found his sound, and uh, I'm excited to be on the podcast i don't have much more to say than that keith i'm so excited that you're here you don't need to say anymore i like that that was perfect i i 
am so impressed by your debut. I'm so impressed by your voice as an artist, and I can't wait to get into it more. But first, I want to ask, do you mind introducing Birth of the Cool for those that haven't read this book yet, for those that will come across this book maybe after hearing our conversation? What is this story? What can they expect to find? Well, Birth of the Cool is about the great jazz musician Miles Davis, uh, and it's about his early life and of how he uh, got interested in music and how he became the great musician that he is. Uh, it ends around the time that he was 29 years old, and uh, it just it explains his journey of uh, how he went from being a kid to listening to the radio and listening to the music of his heroes like uh, Louis Armstrong and Duke Ellington, and then suddenly decided that he wanted to be a musician like them and uh, and focused on it and became obsessed with learning to be uh, individualistic in his horn, where at the same time he was trying to uh, emulate his heroes, but also find his own sound. I think that Kathleen... Cornell Berman's text in this. I said this on social media as well when I've shared it. She has chosen the the quintessential way to tell this story because she tells it in this flowing poetic narrative where you can just feel that just the right notes are popping in and out. And then she gives these great little solos, if you will, to miles himself in these quotes that are worked right into the text yes yes I found it working so well i i agree i mean so you know how, how i got involved in in the project was you know i had just decided I, you know it's one of those new year's resolution type things and, and i had decided that you know what i was doing when i'm, I'm a, uh, in advertising and i'm i've, I've been drawing and i'm an illustrator up, uh, throughout my whole career but I just decided I wanted to focus on trying to become a uh, children's book illustrator. And I literally had just right after New Year's a couple of years ago, I decided to go ahead and try to do this. And uh, I said, well, I guess I probably need an agent. And I think within days of getting an agent, uh, I get an email from uh, 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 Page Street Books saying, would I be interested just from seeing my jazz drawings? Because I work for some jazz organizations. And uh, and I hadn't even made hadn't even signed a contract with me or anything, and and I just said yes, and it was Miles Davis, and I was like, good lord, I mean, I, I mean, this is like my dream, and uh, and then I said, but the thing is, is if this book is just going to be something where we're just going to uh, just go through his life, you know, like one of these books where it's very generic, and you're just going to say Miles Davis was born at this time, and then he did this, and he did that, and then he became a big you know, uh, legendary figure at the end. But she, I've read her words and it was this poetic, beautiful way. And then it had the quotes from Miles himself. I said, you know, this is something that can inspire me. This is something I can imagine spending the next, you know, year of my life working on. So you're right. Kathleen's script is what made everything really happen for me. Because I don't know that I could have done it if the script wasn't so good. It's so strong. And what strikes me I've coming into this, I've wanted to ask the question of you, and I know you've 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 been on interview with Kathleen before, so maybe you've even heard her talk about this. But on my mind was just asking the question, how do you make a musician that some of these children have, have possibly never heard of before, how do you make a musician relevant to children? And yet I find as I'm reading it that the the book itself answers that question but i think it does because you both were asking that question as you made it so can i ask you keith as you were making the art for this book and working with kathleen's manuscript how how did you keep yourself grounded to that audience that you would have of children that are really those that i teach those those second and third and fourth and fifth graders that are Maybe just learning how do you play an instrument? It, it, that's an excellent question. Um, really, it is. Because just today, uh, Kathy and I were in Queens at the Louis Armstrong Library uh, talking about miles to very young children. I mean, I'm talking about ones that were barely old enough to speak. Like, I would say anywhere from two to four. <laughs> 
And, you know, I started off by just saying, anybody here like music? Do you like music? And then I would, then I always say, are you, do you, there's a special kind of music called jazz. And I said, it's a, a little boy wanted to play music. And I said, is there something that you like to do? Uh, like dance or music or art. And he saw someone else do it. And he said, I want to do it too. And then we sort of build from that. And then her script does the same thing where the first spread of the book is where Miles is in his home and he's listening to the sounds of, uh, of his, of these musicians. And, you know, I also have to say it's a personal connection because my mom was a singer. She was a gospel singer. And I grew up in a home where my parents, especially my mother, uh, sang and I love to hear her voice. And it just meant something to me. Uh, this is something that's uh, been through my entire life. My, my, my sons are both musicians. Uh, and they're, uh, one of them, uh, is, is a classical musician. And one of them is a pop musician. He's an indie pop musician who's had a little bit of success recently. And, you know, it's just something that you just, I, I never said to my kids like, "Hey, you have to go and do this, and you should listen to music." They just hear it, and then it, it became something. So, I guess the best way to answer your question is, it's just something that I think you, you, in the book we knew. Uh, if, you, if you just give somebody a germ of something, it'll connect to them. And and if well, I like yeah. yeah. No, I'm sorry. No, ahead. no, no. You, you're exactly. Uh, I'm finished. Yeah, exactly that. It, it, it just you just suddenly just suddenly feel like. I don't know what it is. You look I, I, for me, it was drawings. You know, I would look at drawings like, you know, you, you buy toys or something and like a Hot Wheels toy. And you look at the little pack, the cardboard that holds it. And I'm looking at, look at, I love the drawing almost as much as I love the actual toy behind. Yeah. yeah. And that, and I would say, I want to know how the person drew that beautiful drawing of the car that I'm about to open. And I used to, I used to, when I was a kid, I used to hold the, the whole thing like up on the, um, in my room and leave the car in the packaging and just stare at it because I was almost as much interested in the drawing and the packaging as I was the actual toy. So I think that kids can just see this germ of something that they just like. And I think the same way with music, you hear a sound and you say, I want to make it sound like that. Kathy today in the library pulled out, she likes to pull out a trumpet. She doesn't play, but she'll just play a note just to show how hard it is to play a trumpet. And uh, so many kids ran over and wanted to touch the trumpet. And all I can think is some kid is going to later in his life say, I remember some lady pulling out a trumpet in, in the library when I was like two years old. And I always wanted to play. And then they put it to their lips again. And then they decide they want to really play it. So I think that's where it starts yes. from. My dad used to play trumpet in the marching band when he was in high school. I have never heard my dad play trumpet in my life. <laughs> But he brought by, I, I was aware that he had a trumpet. I did not know that he still had his trumpet. But he brought by the trumpet when my son, my son is nine now. I think when my son was maybe three, he brought by the trumpet and said, hey, I didn't know if maybe Jonah would want this. And Jonah learned by experimentation how to make that trumpet make a sound. And we joked forever that it sounded like an elephant <laughs> marching around the house. Just this one noise is a little right. elephant. Um, and now Jonah is at the age where he gets to pick an instrument to play. And um, and he literally, as of today, because the um, high school marching band came to their school and they play for them every year. And Jonah said, I want to play saxophone. I know that I want to play. I want to try it. Can I try it? And I thought, that it's it's that it's that you grew up with this thing in your hand that you were inexplicably drawn to for me keith that your connection to that hot wheel car i can feel that because my connection was i grew up playing video games and i still play a ton of video games but specifically this game on on nintendo called mega mm -hmm. man i can't even tell you as i'm trying to remember it i can't explain to you why my friends and i acted out like we were Mega Man <laughs> on the playground. And I remember as I'm going back to like, well, I was at this school for grades three, four, and five. So I must have been grade three, four, and five when I was doing this. I was older than I thought. But I would also draw those characters and invent new characters as if they were sequel games. And I can't tell you what compelled me to do it, just that it did.
The Children's Book Podcast is sponsored by Libro.fm Audiobooks. So, you know I listen to a lot of audiobooks. I am now being asked pretty regularly what I'm listening to. The answer right now is Strange Birds by Celia Perez, the author of The First Rule of Punk. And I am loving this book about four girls who uh, find a cause to take up in their neighborhood, but also find some conflict between the four of them. It's beautifully written. The girls are, uh, the characters are so wonderfully developed, um, each with their own voice and their own role to play. I'm only halfway through, but it's been the greatest company on my drive to work and on my daily runs. Uh, the typical hopping from book to book is not unusual for me, but I borrow books from my library and sometimes purchase through um, audiobook providers so that I can keep these books that I want to read over and over. When it comes to getting audiobooks, you've got a lot of options, but through Libro.fm, you can support local bookstores at no extra cost to you, which is why I make that choice. And listeners of the Children's Book Podcast can get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of just one month. So go to Libro.fm, that's L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter WINNER. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. When I look at your art on your very first spread that opens the book where we read, um, I'm going to just read an excerpt here if you don't mind. Uh, it reads, Miles, curious, smart, crazy about music, claps and sways, lost in the moment until his mom hollers, time for school. Kids taunt and tease him just for being skinny, shy and dark. He plays baseball, swims, and boxes like a champ. But music means more. I should read Miles' quote. It says, when I got into music, I went all the way into music. I didn't have no time after that for nothing else. And the picture that you give readers of Miles is a child, I would say, lost in thought, but he's not. He's there. He's in music he's in the music coming from that radio he's he's fully present within what he's hearing and with those musicians playing that music and and that look i know that you know that look and that feeling keith because when i look at it it brings me back i know that feeling too and so without question when i when i said i already know the answer i know that readers will see this and go yep it's not music for me, but it's it's this. It's horses. It's reading. It's playing football with my friends. It's it's whatever. Yeah. Um, but they're gonna they're gonna see it, and so I'm I'm glad that you allowed us to start with a child just being present. Well, thank you so much for saying that because it was kind of what I was trying to do. You know, I mean, honestly, it's my first book, so I have to tell them I didn't know what I was doing. You know, at the same time, I, you're right. I, I did have that feeling because I was I was one of those kids. You know, I was one of those isolated kids who was full of, you know, fantasy and 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 and, and personal thoughts of how I saw the world. I was a big Marvel Comics fanatic. Uh, you know, I, I love Spider Man especially because I love this idea of this nerdy kid who somehow gets superpowers and rises above his personal <laughs> life and. And nobody knows, you know, and it's all his, his superpower that's his alone and his spidey sense and all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, to me, it's like it's, it's, a, it's a personal secret, uh, you know, and, you know, I'm sure that his parents, because as far as I know, I think he I think he says in his autobiography that his mother maybe enjoyed music and maybe sang a little bit. But it was his own thing, you know, and, and some in the fact that his father uh and his parents had the means and, and the desire to um, help him with his his dreams, you know, like help, you know, give him his first trumpet and, and, and help him, make, you know, make sure he went to a school where he could learn music. So, I mean, I think that's the other part of it is that in addition to having this germ where you have something that makes you want to do something, even at the youngest ages, it's also nice to have the ability to be able to do it, you know. But sometimes you find ways of doing it, even, even if uh, you don't have all those things. I think that you find a yes. way, but 
how great to see that that Kathy and and you both in your art and words gave a lot of those moments where where Miles wants to go off and do do the thing, follow the music, follow his interest, but he still respects what his his dad in particular were seeing, what his dad wishes, and in that same way, dad respects him back and gives him that space. I found that particularly affecting that that in some ways Miles's dad walks with him through this book and it struck me that I don't know that I always get that in other stories of other people's lives perhaps because they didn't have uh, a parent figure walking alongside them or supporting them in this way or maybe they did and the author chose just not to tell that story but in in this story I found it I found that particularly something that yeah, stuck it's, with and me. it's also not even just, you know, parents, but also it can just be like, there's also a teacher, Mr. Buchanan in the book who also yeah. uh, nurtures his talent. And, you know, you know, part of it too is like, if you live in an environment and this is not Miles' environment, because he actually grew up pretty uh, well-to-do family because father was a dentist and he was very well-to-do in, in the African community, which is kind of unusual at the time. But a lot of people, you know, if you, you need, you know, you need to have somebody somewhere to say, you have something to offer, you have it, and you can keep going with it. It's not just a dream, it's a, you can make it a reality. It doesn't necessarily have to be a parent, it can be a teacher, it can be a, for my case, it was a friend. And uh, who just told me, you know, Keith, you should keep drawing. And um, I think that makes a difference. So it makes it from I really love playing a trumpet. I really love drawing or I love, I love dancing, but I don't really know if I have any talent. You almost need somebody else. You maybe even outside of your family to say to you, Hey, you know what? You can do this. I think you really are good. And I think, you know, you should pursue it. Um, and that is the next step. I think to the whole thing with miles, he got all that, even to the point where he went to one of the most prestigious schools in the world, music schools in the world, which is Juilliard. Uh, but, you know, the interesting thing about Miles is that he got accepted at Juilliard, he went to Juilliard, and then he rejected Juilliard because to him, he rejected yeah, because him. in the end, he they were teaching classical and whatever the big music was, the, the accepted music at the time in a conservatory setting. And he decided that what I really want to play with are these guys. I want to play with Charlie Parker and I want to play with Thelonious Monk. And to me, even though I know they're not in conservatories, they're not accepted in the world as the greatest musicians in the world. To me, they're the greatest musicians in the world. So he got an excuse to come to New York by going to Juilliard to go uptown and be with these guys who to him was the, were the real greatest musicians in the world. So it's also a perception of what you think is great. I there, There's so much to talk about, too, in what's going on in Miles's life and around him. I think of... Um, the high school band illustration that you have where we're behind the director and um, we have that reminder of Mr. Buchanan pushing and pushing miles and him just facing out in this illustration of yours reading miles burns with humiliation, having read that he comes through this best performance and the prizes still go to the white kids. It continues though. Anger fuels his passion to move forward, to play harder, to be undeniably better than everyone else. He blows those feelings into something beautiful. That notion of taking anger and blowing it into something beautiful, I find really affecting. And I think throughout this, as Kathy is doing such a great job choosing these just right words, I'm really drawn to your art and your line work. And I would love to hear a little bit about about your approach to this book, your character studies, the the way you chose to work in this medium, because you've got such great line work over top of this watercolor that just it it just feels it feels mm. loose and comfortable, and yet it it feels beautifully orchestrated and pulled off. And I really I really feel drawn to the way that that you've drawn this Thank book. Thank you so much. I mean, I think there's a little bit of a, back, of a comic book background in there because I did I worked for Marvel for a little while, but then after a while, I didn't like the, the stringent ways that they do things there. So then I started trying to find my own line. Um, 
and then I found watercolor, which I really love. But as far as that particular spread, um, I think what happened there was, I'll just tell you a quick story. Uh, I had drawn just like maybe six kids there. So in the, in the scene that you're describing, there's something like, I think there's 50 kids there. <laughs> and uh, At least. yeah, it's, it's a whole band. band. And, yeah. and uh, you know, so that was the way she had written it. This is how I'm interpreting uh, you know her her script in, in, in the pencil script, and even all the way to the all the way up to the uh, almost final before I went to paint and ink, they had accepted that I had just drawn like six kids, and I drawn like three kids on each side of Miles, and there were, and I had Miles in the middle, and 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 we had kind of said, okay, well, and then finally, uh, my my wonderful uh, art director, she came to me and she just said, you know. I think it would be so much more powerful. We had way more kids and Miles was kind of in the middle of it. And, and we were coming near the end of the, uh, doing the book. And I was like, oh my gosh, I got to draw a bunch of other people. But then I, then I realized that, you know, it's actually, it, it'll make the point so much better, you know, and, and making Miles in the center and, and making him. So the, the thing that's so great about Miles, and I, I can't even say for sure that he had developed his sound at this point, but the thing that makes Miles different from everybody else is that, He's not the technically greatest uh, trumpet player in the world. He's not the best trumpet player in the world. He's not the fastest trumpet player in the world. What he has is a sound that is incredibly and uniquely his that is really beautiful. And it's like hearing Adele or hearing Karen Carpenter or... Barbara Streisand or Aretha Franklin. If you have a beautiful voice that doesn't sound like anybody else's, it doesn't matter if you have the ability like a Whit Marsalis or, or some other super uh, trained, uh, brilliant uh, player. It's more about whether or not you sound like you and whether or not people like the way you sound. And I think my idea behind almost every scene in this book, particularly that one, was that Miles stuck out you know, maybe maybe some else could have played uh, notes quicker. Maybe they could have been more precise. Uh, there's a great record by Miles called uh, Sketches of Spain, which is very popular, where he plays uh, Spanish music. Yeah. It's a very beautiful record. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I've heard people, technical people, tell me, like, in the music business, like, he makes, he makes many mistakes in that. But it doesn't matter because his voice is like a human voice. It's a beautiful voice. So I, I, I was thinking when I was drawing that scene that all those kids were good, they were talented, but Miles was different. And when you're different, that should be celebrated as special and interesting and not just whether or not you can technically master an instrument. There's so much about his life and the way that he played and the way that he pushed himself that I think are such powerful takeaways. I'm thinking right now, well, first I'm thinking on the very next page that, that that profile of miles with the sort of the shoulder blades back and the neck arched. If that's not the quintessential profile of miles Davis, I don't, I don't know what is Um, that's, that's the way that I always picture him. Just the way his frame is bent around that instrument, his whole body is shaped around that instrument. So I love, I love that we get that that shot. But something I don't think I realized about his life and what a unique story to bring to children is that he had this fame and he had this this recognition, and then he fell out of it. I didn't realize that he that that he fell out of popularity and that that really when he had the opportunity to play at the Newport jazz festival, that that was like a second chance. Um, And one that when then he was in front of these thousands of people that uh, as soon as I realized what that new context that I just hadn't come at with before being able to think that all of these people in that audience are just, who knows what they're expecting, but what we might all go through in our lives that you have these moments where you falter, but you have a moment where you can, you can reclaim your voice when you can stand up and, and tell people, this is who I am. Um, and on a stage where accept me or not, this is, this is who I am. And, 
and that that his voice was a return That's to very form true. there. Uh, yeah, it was just so it was so powerful. I thought I just it was something that that I'll say it this way in this picture book. This picture book showed me something that I'll that I will never forget about Miles Davis's life. Um, because I know him to be a great musician and I used to manage a record store and play his music all the time. Uh, but I was hearing it or viewing it from a lens of this is a jazz great. This is someone that we just always honor. Uh, not that he, I guess the thing that I can equate it to was that at the same time, uh, when I was working at that record store, Johnny Cash was recording with Rick Rubin. And to realize that he also had had this journey where he was sort of all but becoming lost and becoming, uh, I don't know, an, an impersonation yeah, of himself. Yeah, I'm familiar with those, the point. American recordings, right? Until, yeah, until the American recordings come out with Rick Rubin and suddenly here he is again saying, you know, restating his voice and his 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 importance and presence on on music and music history to know that years and years before that miles davis had gone through something very similar is so powerful i'm glad that this is something brought to to readers because that to to know that your time is not there's not a uh there's not a, a deadline on your time that, that we will go through life and have moments where we shine and have moments where we're in a valley and we're journeying, but that doesn't mean we can't climb back out yeah, again. Absolutely. And, and Miles is, is the king of that because one of the things about Miles, the reason why we still talk about Miles Davis is because he kept changing his styles. And in every few years, he would, he would go restless and he would change bands and he would change his style of music. So he went from playing bebop to straight ahead jazz to funk. And, and then in the end, he was, he was doing rap. You know, I mean, so his last record, it was a rap record. I mean, where he had, you know, so this is a guy that he did rock and roll with Bitch, uh, an album called Bitches Brew. And so he, he really wanted to keep changing because he knew that if he stayed stagnant in any way that people would, um, I don't know, just see him as an old fashioned thing. And the thing about jazz just in general, the jazz, jazz is often sort of thought of as a museum piece. It's thought of as... Uh, an impenetrable music that's hard to understand. It's like a bunch of guys just noodling around on their instruments, or it's very, very, or it's background mm. music. It's one of the two things that you play that you play while you're having a dinner party. And these guys don't think that way. They're thinking like, I'm making an artistic statement. By the way, one of the really big things about jazz and why I'm such a big jazz person and why I love the music so much is because it's one of the first African American arts that you can be an artist and you can express yourself. Uh, in a way, in, in a way, without having to uh, apologize, you know, you're not you're not trying to entertain, you're not trying to get people to dance, you're not trying to get people to, you know, just like what you like. You can be abstract, you can be intellectual. Uh, you can, it, it, re it requires a great deal of intelligence and um, technical skill to play. So I always that's part of the reason why I loved it because it's like art in that way where it, you can't do it easily. You have to work really hard at it to be able to be good at it. And Miles is a guy where he had this sound and he said, wow, where can I take this sound? I can move it in so many different places. And I can move it in a rock and roll kind of setting. I can move it in orchestrals kind of setting like with sketches of Spain and classical music. But I can also move it into funk music and I can move it into rap. So it kept it fresh at all times. Even when he was growing old, he said, I still want to make it different the minute you start you keep playing the same thing all the time and you stay in one era people start losing interest i mean he could have though the fact that he didn't is just so it's that yeah you've got this great quote from <laughs> the great winton marsalis has made a note in yeah. your book <laughs> but he has this wonderful note that that says that Miles was a master improviser who invented short, meaningful phrases. These phrases touch your heart in a very particular way. His improvised solos were logical, direct, honest, and deeply soulful. His playing was contagious. Miles was not afraid to let people know exactly how he felt. 
that feeling of of throughout his life not being afraid to say this is who I am now and I don't need you to accept it because this is my journey this is my soul this is my music to hear someone that is so I mean to hear Winton say that you know these improvisation is also logical that it's not all over the place there's there's thought to it there's mastery to it um i think i think we see that woven through kathy's text all along that here is a person that has been thinking about music from the moment he heard music uh that it's it's an intellectual pursuit and um I really appreciated that never, even in Winton's note, in your note, in Kathy's writing, do we hear that he's setting out to entertain, but rather it feels like what I take from it is that he's just on this constant intellectual and, and creative I, Matt, pursuit. I, I cannot have said it better. I mean, that's exactly uh, how I feel. He's an artist, you know, just like, uh, I don't know, Gustav Klimt or, or, or Picasso or, or Basquiat, Jean-Michel Basquiat. He, he was an artist. He just happened to be working in a popular medium. And we wanted to hear it. Just like, you know, I don't know that Jean-Michel Basquiat, when he does his paintings, he was thinking, I sure hope people like this painting. You know, I, I just think he just painted it, you know, because that was a point he was trying to make or a feeling he was having at the night that he was painting or the day he was painting it. And the best art is usually that. And by the way, I don't know if you ever heard uh, Kathy tell the story where she was trying to write the book more straightforwardly at one time. And then she got interested in, in writing things in pro in, in sort of a verse. And then she found out she was pretty good at it. And then she got better at it. And then she found that was the best way to write the book. And the way that I drew exactly in, in, the, in the same way with the drawing. I mean, I don't always, you know, draw and paint as loosely as this and let the watercolor kind of wash and let things kind of move around. But I felt like I was listening to his music while I was drawing most of the book. And and, and I remember, like, the easiest thing in the world on this book was, was laying out all the pages. Like, when I got the script and then they said, okay, you have to break this down into 30 uh, pages spreads or whatever, or maybe it was half that, uh, the spreads. And then, I, and then I just, I think I did it all in one day <laughs> because I was just like, Blah, you know, because I didn't want to. <laughs> you I just wow. didn't want to. I didn't want to like think too much about it. I said I want to make it like a jazz solo, where you're just like, okay, here's here he is as a kid. Here he is, you know, in in um, on on the you know looking at the riverboat. Here he is doing this, and I just handed the whole all the thumbnails that I drew, you know, freehand on pencil paper and scanned them, and I sent them to the publisher. And he said, okay. <laughs> And I was like, and I told, <laughs> and I told a friend of mine who was an illustrator with who has done many books. His name is Eric Vasquez. He went to high school with me, and I said, they just they, Eric yeah, Vasquez went to we, high school we with high school you. Buds. Oh <laughs> you my know word! All right, cool. Oh, that's great. Love, that's love. awesome. Uh, yeah, I mean, he did. He did. Um, he did. Yes, uh, he's yes. done many, many beautiful books. But he had that beautiful yeah, book recently, about yeah, Schoenberg. yeah, yeah. And um, and so I, you know, I said I just turned it in. He goes, "Well, how long did you put on?" I said, "I did it last night." He was like, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> and they accepted it. And I was like, "Yeah." I said, "I is it whether we're not supposed to accept it?" He was like, "No, I'm just surprised." <laughs> That's wild. That's I've never heard the illustrator equivalent. I've heard authors say, you know. Some books you spend years writing the manuscript, and this book I literally wrote <laughs> on my drive home from the grocery store on a voice That's memo funny. app or something like, what? To hear you say that that, well, let me add also, and I sort of obsessively talk about art from the lens of a camera because I think I just have a film mm -hmm. gene in me or something. I love, though the the different perspective shots that you show us here i love that we have these moments of standing in in the the gymnasium uh or auditorium or or what the word is for where everyone's dancing and miles is starting on bebop and then we have these 
quick glimpses, these small spot illustrations of uh, his time at Juilliard. We have this um, camera like parked in the middle of the street view of New York. There's all these different shots that you give us that that ground miles, but also let his environment and let the people around him be part of his story and let us study them as well. Because I can only imagine that part of part of the reason to do this is that all of this is shaping him. All of this is shaping Miles. You give though, man, when you get back to the, the Newport jazz thing, you do this trick. So, okay. Sorry, <laughs> listeners. If I'm getting a little too enthusiastic, I need to calm down and focus. But that shot where you're saying there's that chance meeting at a club that leads to this opportunity to be at the Newport Jazz Festival, you have us like front row of the festival looking up. We're we're not even at knee level of Miles as he's standing there holding his trumpet before it even gets pointed at the microphone. And then the next page is like concert is over and he just is, is or wherever, wherever, whatever moment we're in, but he's turned back to his band with a face that is ready and focused on that music. And everyone is just there behind him. It brings you back to that motif of I'm playing for me. This is my journey. And that audience is just there to witness it, to bear witness to it. It's just your compositions are so on point in Thank this you. story. I Thank love you. them I really so much. You know, I do think that the purest kind of, you know, this kind of art is, is when you're just honest. Um, and I, when, when I when I saw her script, I basically saw the whole thing in my head pretty fast and 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 I just basically just drew what was already in my head. I think when I when I hear about the best uh, illustrators and, and painters, you know, is that they can just see it. And and I couldn't wait to figure to get it on paper, you know. And by the way, I'm not dismissing the fact that I spent a lot of time redrawing certain pages, the finishes, and and I would try different angles and drew miles many times. And it was a lot of work and a lot of hours, not just by me, but by the art director and everybody involved. But I had the whole thing kind of laid out when I, when I saw the script, because I knew, I mean, by the way, you know, everybody I know, you must have experienced Matthew where, you know, you have to face something and, you know, you feel like, you know, I, I you know, I'm not sure about this. Yeah. You know, I'm not 100% confident and I got to get in front of a bunch of people. But the truth is that I don't want to come out there phony. I said, if I don't just make, be myself, then the rest of my life, I'm going to have to fake it. So I'm going to be myself. And if they don't take myself, then um, then maybe this isn't a thing I should be doing. So I think Miles is like, take me as I am. And by the way, Miles was an incredibly... Uh, confident person, but then also insecure in a weird way too. But I do, I think he knew that he had something to share. And if you know you have something to share, even the most insecure person knows it. I mean, I, I mentioned my son earlier. He has a band called Sachi. His name is Satchel Brown. Um, but he has a band called Sachi coming out of California. He just had a new album came out last week. And um, for years, he was not sure about his music, and he was always crying to me on the phone, the dad, blah, blah, blah. And when I see him on stage, it's like he's another person. He, he's like, I'm backing it up. I don't play covers. I play my own compositions. I play my own music. I, I jam. And, and if people like it, then that's fantastic. If people don't like it, then I'm going to try to write a better song. But I'm not going to try to be anything but myself. And I think that's the only way... You can go. Otherwise, you can spend your whole life trying to be something you're not. And that's what we're trying. That's what we were trying to do in the book. That's right. And we're also saying that to children. You know, we're saying, you know, just believe in yourself. And Miles had to believe in himself, even when you know critics, jazz critics, will often say, he, you know, he's we don't like what he's doing, or he's not as good as this person or that person. And you know, but we went to Newport. He was in front of people. Human beings are sitting in front of you. They're not buying records. They're not uh, people that you find out later how many records you sold or you didn't sell. 
You're in front of a group of people who are experiencing what you have right in front of your eyes. And either they're liking what you're doing or didn't. And that's why that new part is such a triumph for Miles because people heard what he was doing and they were on their feet happy. You know, at one point I had drawn the page in such a way that I had more people, like you can actually see the people. But I think in the end, the uh, editors and I decided, no, let's just focus on Miles. Let's just give... Let's give him his moment. I'm glad you we don't. You know, I mean, the people are fine, but let's just let let's just let people see him succeed. And in the end, I'm I'm really happy we went that way. I, before we go, want to uh, want to recognize and affirm the way also that that this story emphasizes how Miles was a leader and he saw greatness in the people around him and gave others a chance to shine. It wasn't just a, a, a backup band or something. He really, I think, valued what everyone brought to the table. I'm thinking of also earlier that, that um, this is great. There's so many, I can <laughs> just read the entire book to people, but I love that it, that Kathy writes miles hears music differently. He doesn't like to play a lot of notes he plays only the important ones. Yeah, that's so, so true. So, what a nice turn of phrase that it's, it's that this is, this is. I'm not. I'm not going to fill with frill or with, with um, anything like that. But but my style is going to be. I'm just going to play. Oh yeah, this is a great quote by Miles. Uh, probably my favorite quote of any musician in the world. He goes, "Don't play what's there. Play what's not there." So <laughs> he always has, <laughs> he oh, plays like so that. much, he has so much space. He just hits them right at the right moment. It's like uh, the Impressionist painters, right? You know, you have super realistic painters, then you have the Impressionists who put the color, uh, John Singer Sargent, uh, Manet, Degas, they just drop the stuff right where it needs to be. And the colors and everything are so much more, to me, realistic and more true to life and more honest than people who sit there and draw every vein on a leaf. And and, and he's like that. He's like a, he's like yeah. a jazz impressionist. He just drops everything. You don't need to know what's in the middle. You know. Your brain just registers it. And and, and, and he just knows that. And that's, to me, that's the greatest of all. Like, I look at John Singer Sargent's watercolors sometimes. I'm like, how do you know not to put more color right there between those two areas? He said, because he knew the brain would just see them. <laughs> yeah, your brain will see someday it. Someday I hope to be. Mm. <laughs> someday. Someday in my wildest dreams, Ooh. maybe not in this lifetime, I hope someday to even have a tenth of the, the talent of a, of a Miles Davis or a John Singer Sargent. Keith Henry Brown, there are at least 97 more questions I want to ask you, but... I feel like the best place to leave this conversation, in addition to, to the question I'm going to ask for our readers, is just to say that I am so excited about your career. And I can't wait to see what you'll work on next and what you'll share with readers and make for our readers next Birth of the Cool is such a beautiful book. You both did a wonderful, wonderful job on it. And the team at Page Street really did an exceptional job on this book and giving it the extra pages, the space, the time it needs to to, to really exist Thank with you. readers. I'm grateful that we connected and I'm grateful we had a chance Thank to talk you. tonight. All right, so I'm going to ask you that I will see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Keith, is there a message that I can bring to them yes, from just, you? You know, uh, stay on, on your path of whatever it is you like, no matter what anybody says, if it's something that makes you happy and it's something that you like to make or create or build or think about or love, don't let anybody tell you what, you, what, you, what that is. It's not a good thing. It is a good thing. And just keep working on that and, and to build it louder until it becomes something that you can just do with everyone will appreciate.
This is Darshna Kiani, author of How to Wear a Sari, coming in fall 2020. Want to find out the latest South Asian books and children's literature? Check out www.darshanakhiani.com forward slash South Asian Kid Lit. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by Matthew Winner in his library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 400 episodes at matthewcwinner.com forward slash podcast. Our theme music is by Pottington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and do not reflect ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed. Before we leave, I want to give a shout out to all of my patrons, those folks who are supporting the podcast and keeping the lights on care of our Patreon page. Thank you, Jenny, Sue, Amy, Sarah, Kate, Lisa, Darshna, Marianne, Jarrett, Anitra, Mike, Lynn, Link, Corina, Cynthia, Elaine, Doug, Judy, Amanda, Ruth, Laura, Teresa, and others who are coming with me on this journey. You're welcome to come with us, too. Just visit patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner and pick the support tier that's right for you. Teamwork makes the dream work, and each of you are helping to provide the tools necessary to make this podcast even greater. Thank you. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cozy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.